Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet the heavens declare his glory. It's a frequency declaring the glory of God. It's a frequency bringing about complete, I believe, harmonic or harmony, unity of praise for the one creator, God. Psalm 148. <clears throat> Having these scriptures up behind us is a real blessing, but it's a, it's a handicap to, uh, to uh, oh, I could see it right there. Okay, well, there we go. Man, I'm slow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Let the heavens declare. See, it's something we cannot see, yet it, the unseen is ever active in what it's producing, what it's doing, what it's declaring, what it's making happen. And we, as a people, as individuals, are so often tied down, bogged down, held down, and completely consumed by the minutiae of our little problem here. Yet if we look up at the heavens for just a moment and begin to see the the expanse of God. Now, Albert Einstein, it's debatable where his faith was at, but he continued to proclaim he was an agnostic. He believed that there was a God, but that God would not concern himself with uh, individual men. Yet Job tells us, who am I that you're mindful of me? Job understood, he, he grabbed onto something that was unseen, and it became more real to him than he, what he was seeing daily in his life, which at that time was pretty horrific. Psalm 89, verse 5. And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. So we get to partake of that when we assemble together. Now, so often our mindset might say, oh, saints, they're, you know, I'm not Catholic. Uh, so what are they talking about? Catholics? You know, sainthood? I, I'm a firm believer that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're made a saint. I'm a firm believer that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a minister. You're not just, there's not just clergy and non-clergy. Laity. Laity means you're like reclined. We're not reclined. 
There is a recliner for Sid back there. Sid, greetings. Sorry you couldn't be with us this morning. But here's one of the greatest minds of our times, Albert, Albert Einstein, yet he still grappled with, is there a God? He came to the conclusion there is, but he didn't know him. So that shows, up, shows us that even the greatest minds need to be renewed. I don't care how far we've achieved in our learning and our knowledge, our minds need to be renewed spiritually. And Romans 12.2 tells us that we need to have our minds renewed. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love how that started out. Don't be conformed to this world. This world is full of trouble right now. This world is full of pandemonium. That was a good exhortation you gave us this morning, Carla. Thank you so much for that. That Jesus, I had never considered that. Jesus chose that point, that place to talk about that subject. Our world is a mess. It says, do not be conformed to the mess. Do not be conformed to the thought of the day, to the atmosphere of the day, but be renewed in your mind through the washing of the water by the word of God. Now, that's how that takes place, through the washing of the water through the word of God. Without knowing this word, um, you're, you're left pretty helpless. However, you can study this word from all kinds of different angles. There have been great minds that have studied the Bible to the nth degree so that they could prove themselves right, so that they could prove their point of view so that they could prove different things. It's not about proving what you want to prove. It's about proving what is the good and acceptable will of God. How many of you know there's a good and acceptable will of God for your life? Now, as in any theory, we need to test ourselves. Every theory needs to be tested. I feel my life is just a test. I'm continually testing myself, testing if I'm growing spiritually. Um, Paul spoke of that. He says, I'm running the race, not as though I've attained. Uh, we were discussing it with a couple brothers this week about knowing God. If I make the statement, I know God... When I know something, that brings a completion to it. And yet I believe God is totally unfathomable. You can't plumb the depths of it. You can't pursue the heights of it. 
He's just so wondrous. So I'm kind of changing my terminology on saying, yeah, I know God. To God knows me. But I think we should test ourselves to see if we are kingdom-minded, if we're growing spiritually. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, <clears throat> One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I think it's a good thing to ask yourself, am I growing spiritually or am I carnal? And naturally minded, just uh, natural minded being there, my, just operating off of my base instincts. You see, we can do that. We can live lives that are totally based on just our instincts of survival. Yet God has not called you to be survivalists. He's called you to be overcomers. More than conquerors. He's called you to be spiritually discerners. You can discern things spiritually. Paul had to speak to the Corinthians here and, and exhort them. I can't speak to you on this level. Because they had come to a place where they knew I believe one of the results in testing ourselves, are we growing spiritually? So first of all, just ask yourself, am I, am I growing spiritually? Ask yourself that question. Am I growing spiritually, God? One of the ways to tell if you are, you become more serving and mindful of others. It's just a natural spiritual progression. When you surrender yourself to Christ and you become spiritually minded, you will become more people-minded. You will become more serving-minded. And you won't do it with groanings and complainings and murmurings. You just won't. You'll just do it. It'll just be um, not second nature. It'll be first nature to you. To just, oh, you know, I can do this. I think of a situation some years ago. Uh, we were walking through the church building here, and somebody had dropped a, a candy wrapper. And the brother picked it up, grumbled. Somebody just... And I said to the brother, I said, uh, would you put that candy wrapper back on the floor, please? What? I said, just put it on the floor. Don't pick it up. 
I said, I don't think that's the way we're supposed to be when we do something full of criticism and judgmental and complaining about this unknown person that left their candy wrapper. I mean, seriously, how often have you dropped something and not realized it? I mean, I, I dropped a $20 bill once, and I didn't realize it till it was too late. But it just fell out of my pocket because I was getting something else out, you know. But if it was a candy wrapper, I probably never would have missed it and gone back looking for it. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, hey, you want to be great in my kingdom? You want to be first? The last shall be first, and the one whose servant shall be made great. And he didn't say just serve somebody important. There's a qualifier here. He didn't say, yeah, you need to learn to serve to where you get noticed. He said, you must become the servant of all. That means serving in areas where you never get noticed. Because you're not doing it for men and the praise of men. You're doing it as unto the Lord because you are a minister of righteousness. Now, your righteousness, I believe when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become righteous. Your righteousness is not because of something that you did to gain that righteousness. That righteousness was given to you because he is righteous. You can't do enough to get it. You can't obtain it. You can't learn enough to get it. It's given to you. The renewed mind becomes kingdom-minded and less self-centered. The renewed mind has the revelation that God is your provider. Well, if I don't do all this, and if I don't protect this, and if I don't have that, what's going to happen to me? Nobody's going to look after me. You're right. You should never look who's going to look after me, because you already have someone that is your advocate. You already have someone that's your provider. You already have someone that is watching over you and looking over you, that even declares to you, behold, the flowers of the field, the lilies of the field, look how they're arrayed, and yet they, they don't toil and they don't spin, and yet they're, they're full of glory. You look at them and you go, wow. You see, if we get a kingdom mindset, we'll understand that our God has made provision for us. It doesn't mean I sit back in the recliner in the middle of the church there. Although I did ask Vic to move it up here so I could preach from it today. He didn't do it. <laughs> Proverbs 10.22 says that it is God who gives the man ability to be wealthy, and he adds to it no sorrow. And that's a very important part of that scripture he adds to it no sorrow. You see, we can give our life in pursuit of prosperity and lose relationships and friendships and lose our children and lose our spouses, lose our marriages because of our pursuits are so intent on making provision for this life. And God's saying, don't do that. I've got it covered. 
It's God who gives us the ability to prosper and get wealth. It comes from him. I just do what's reasonable of me. If I work for somebody, I show up on time, maybe early. I was taught when you got a job, you show up 20 minutes early. And I remember one time talking to my dad about that because I started practicing that. I said, well, yeah, I show up 20 minutes early. They put me right to work. And I don't get paid for that. And he goes, that doesn't matter. He taught me something about an economy that I didn't understand at that point. An economy of people. I was listening to a podcast. One of my favorite podcasts is... um, This guy, he used to be a senator in Texas. He's a professor at uh, Texas Tech. He uh, was a representative, and uh, now he has a podcast, and it's called The Best Storyteller in Texas. And he tells all these little witticisms and stuff. But he interviewed the president of AT&T, and I found it very enjoyable to listen to this guy's story the president of AT&T started out as literally nothing with Bell South. And he worked, and he got noticed. He got a gift, different position. And he worked, and he labored there, and he got noticed. He got noticed. He, he got noticed, and he literally basically says, I just did my reasonable service. The rest was God giving me favor with man. Now, he was asked three times. Eventually, Bell South became, you know, broken up and they stayed there. Then their big move was they bought the telephone system in Mexico. Mexico decided to break up, uh, you know, Uh, the state owning it or the government-owned telephone business, and they bought it, and it was just a success story. He mentioned there's been a few that weren't so successful, but that was a successful one. And then AT&T got broken up, and they ended up purchasing that. And he said, man, in the interviewer, he says to the president of uh, AT&T, he says... "Um, You've had a lot of success. What do you attribute your success to? And he said, find a place to serve and people. It's about people. If it can't better their lives in some way, why do it? He understood certain principles that deal with things that cannot be seen, that have more of a reality than things that can be seen. Now, last week, Nancy spoke on the keys of the kingdom. Keys are for more than putting on a gold Porsche key ring and showing them off. They're for opening doors, for you to take and walk through those doors in the kingdom of God and find places to serve. My Our daughter, at one time, she got a scholarship for running, 
running scholarship, a cross-country runner. She was a cross-country runner. She enjoyed it. She excelled at it, and she got a scholarship for it. And in her scholarship, she, she chose to go to South Carolina, <clears throat> which is about as far away as you can get. Now, I don't know the whole meaning behind that choice, but she does. Anyway, her running team had these different T-shirts, and one of the T-shirts that they passed around was, if it's to be, it's up to me. And I really like that saying, if it's to be, it's up to me. You know, you see something, God's put it on your heart, and you say, that's the pastor's job. I believe one of the keys of the kingdom and that door to walk through is an attitude of serving. I believe serving is a huge part of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to serve us and to bring us life. Is that not the case? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, We should look to better others in the things that we do. We should look to uh, not only for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. How much does your mindset lean towards that? That is a test for you. If you're being kingdom-minded and you find a good thing, you also think, wow, man, so-and-so could benefit from this. This could really help so-and-so. I really like this. I can't use it, but somebody could use it. And you, you, you have begin to think of people, definitely brothers and sisters in the Lord, but there's people in the community that do not know Jesus. And you're thinking, how can this help others? In other words, in elevating others, you're walking in a kingdom understanding that you're already taken care of. Do you realize that? You're already taken care of. All right. Proverbs 3, verse 27 and 28. I'll have to wait for that one. Don't know where it goes. Do not, hold, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Now listen to that statement. It's in the power of your hand to do so. Why, why do you have the power to do so? Because it's already been given to you. It's already been given to you. Matthew 7.1. I've got a lot of scriptures, so I'm just going to burn through them. Got a few minutes left. Are you with me? Are, are, are we going someplace together here? Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. That's a kingdom mindset. What that's saying is you're not setting yourself above someone else. 
thinking, oh, I got this, you know, what's wrong with that person? Why, there, there's people that really know how your marriage should work. You ever run into those people? Yeah, I have. They know how your marriage should work. Their marriage is a dumpster fire. And you know what? So is mine. Now Nancy's like, what are you doing? (laughs) I don't think God's telling us not to observe the world's conditions and when people are caught into sin and to say that that's wrong. But what he's saying there is like, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought because you're likely to fall into the same thing. Pastor Vic's been teaching us on serving If it's to be, it's up to me. That's a freebie for you. Own it. I love that. Own it Sunday. I want to own it. I want to pick that piece of trash up, and I want to own it. I don't want to spread it around that some slackered somewhere dropped it. Those people in that church. Okay, where am I? Now let's move on. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Another characteristic or mindset of being renewed. We need to have renewed minds. Just no way around it. Years ago, a good friend of mine, he happens to be here this morning, John Miller, we were out bucking hay for a guy in the community that had these hay fields. And, and uh, we were having a discussion. We were just praising the Lord and bucking hay and helping out hired hands. And uh, the fellow says, yeah, I think you guys are all brainwashed over there, you know. And John Miller says, I'll never forget it. He says, you ever been in a gym? Smelled all them gym socks? <laughs> He says, well, that's how our minds are. They need to be washed, (laughs) you know. (laughs) The guy says, uh, breaks over, everybody back to work. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, don't get so tangled up in this world's concerns that it brings about divisions and disunity. Now, could we be honest and say that's basically where we're at today? Oh, man, talk about, we can find some topics, the cancel culture, you know, the vax or the unvaxed, you know, take the poke or don't take the poke, you know. Man, we can find some things to get wrapped around, so consumed with, so involved with, overcome by the mask. How about the mask thing? Is the mask really doing its job? Well, I'm going to take this scripture and apply it over all of that. 
Don't get so tangled up in the world's concerns that you bring about divisions and disunity. But as a good soldier, give yourself to the one you're serving. And who are you serving? We serve Christ, but Christ says to serve who? All. Ephesians 4.3 says for us to keep the bond of unity, the bond of peace. Yeah, we can have differing opinions, you know. We can have differing, uh, different opinions on things. Um, but this world seems to be focused on I'm going to make everything so one way or the other. That's what it's designed to do. You know, the first rule of warfare is to divide and conquer. First of all, you bring about division. Then you, then you can pursue conquering. Let's step away from that mindset. Let's let our, the word of God become the thing that we're focused on. The word of God says this, uh, you know, it comes up to the vaccination. I'm just going to hit on that for a minute, all right? Uh, should I be vaxxed or not? Well, in my situation, it was this. It's a free choice. A free choice. But if you want to come see your grandkids, you're going to get vaxxed. You know what I did? I can drink any deadly thing. It will not harm me. That's a promise in the word of God. I can be bitten by snakes. I don't, I'm not a snake handler. I hate snakes. I love the, in the Jesus uh, movie, my favorite scene is where Jesus crushes the head of the snake. You know, I'm like, they should all have that done. <clears throat> I'm like, I can drink any deadly thing. It will not harm me. And you know what? At this point, it still hasn't. You know, and in the back of my mind, I'm going, well, that's more like decon. You know, you put it out there for the mice, they eat it, and a little while later, they're shriveled up in the wall. You know, it's got a time, time release. I don't know if that's the case or not. It doesn't matter. Because I walk in a kingdom that says people are more important to me relationships more important to me than being right about everything. I'm not saying you should take it. I'm telling you what I did. Another sign of, uh, of us growing spiritually is we become more open and honest about our weaknesses and shortcomings. As I said earlier, so often we come to church. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. How are you? Oh, man, I couldn't be better. You know, I'm going to live forever. That's true. But perhaps, as it was pointed out in, in communion this morning, you know, we can do things that just break our hearts during the week. We come here broken. 
And we should be more willing to be open and honest. You know, I don't need to cover my sins. You know why? They're already covered. But I can be open and honest about things I'm dealing with. I can be open and honest. Man, I'm really hurting right now. I'm facing financial problems. I'm facing relationship problems. My marriage is hurting right now. I think the church needs to be more open and honest about these types of things because it says, if you will then confess these things one to another and pray for one another, you will be healed. If you hide them and cover them, um, man, you're alone. I don't like that. That's a bad place to have to live. I'm going to read a little statement here, and we'll close with this. It's in a book that uh, I had just kind of been skimming through, and I came onto this and kind of stuck with it. It's about ministers. Now, remember, who are ministers? Everybody's a minister. This is addressing pastors in particular. But I think it applies to all ministers, not just pastor ministers or evangelist ministers. Or, uh, you know, we got this wrong idea about church. You know, you got, you got teachers, pastors, well, deacons, elders, teachers, pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles, angels. You know, we're all looking to get the, to the heights. Yeah. The weakness of even the most capable minister are exposed on the barren heights of ministry. How can I call these people to prayer when my own prayer life is erratic? How can I expect God's people uh, to be led when I can't control my anger? How can I balance? I can hardly balance my own checkbook. How am I supposed to understand the church budget? Where will I ever get the wisdom for these counseling problems? What do I do when I run out of good sermon ideas or testimonies or wanting to share Christ with someone? Soon the realization dawns, the ministry is an impossible task. The magnitude of the responsibility is staggering. To minister to the spiritual, intellectual, social, and emotional needs of people of all ages. Every one of us is called to do that in our circle of friends, our circle of influence. I'll read that again. The magnitude of the responsibility is staggering to minister to the spiritual, intellectual, social and emotional needs of the people of all ages in all stages of spiritual development. Eternity hangs in the balance. In the plan of God, realizing your inadequacy is actually the stepping stone to being an effective minister. We remain mired in discouragement only until we realize we are inadequate and always will be. God planned it that way. 
Feelings of inadequacy loosen their chilling grip when we see that they are actually messengers of God's grace In this world, our task is not so much to avoid mistakes as it is to be fruitful. To be more and more able to recognize our faults so as to be better able to understand the price of God's mercy and to, to devote ourselves more completely to him makes our lives more fertile. I love that our inadequacies are actually messengers of God's grace. The more we try to cover ourselves that we're not inadequate, that we've got it together, that we have it all figured out, that, that our life is just like I'm on cloud nine. Well, let me tell you something about people on cloud nine. They're not on cloud 10. Somehow they're inadequate. So the first step to a renewed mind, I believe, is a surrendered life. You must surrender yourself fully to Jesus Christ. I remember the moment I surrendered myself fully to Jesus Christ. Now, I believe Jesus was the Lord. I grew up in going to vacation Bible school, and I received Jesus as a little kid there. Uh, I got, still have the Bible from that time that I did that. But it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. And I remember my very first prayer, very first prayer, God, heal my mind. I didn't know this was in the scripture. I didn't know my mind needed to be renewed, but I knew that my mind was a mess and it needed to be renewed by the word of God, by the washing of the water, by the word. And to read this word, not so that I can become self-important and have knowledge, but so that I can learn what it was like to understand who Jesus Christ is. If you have never fully surrendered your life to Jesus, you're never really going to be able to grow spiritually. You might be saved, might have received Jesus. If you believe that you're going to go to heaven, that's a good thing. I'm happy for that. But there's more to the kingdom of God than that. And to plumb the depths of the kingdom of God, we have to walk through those doors of surrender. That's your door today. If you fully surrender yourself to Jesus Christ, the rest of this stuff in your life's gonna start getting taken care of. It's not a self-improvement course, it's a surrender course. You can't, there are things in my life I could not do in my own strength, and I tried and tried and tried. But as I surrendered, those things fell away. As I surrendered, those things, I, I became, I was able to conquer them. Number one was loving my wife. How do I love my wife? 
I don't know how. There was a point in time in our lives I had to get on my knees and cry out and say, God, I don't know how. That might be speaking to somebody here, and I hope it is. I don't know how. Whatever it is in your life that you're facing, I don't know how. I want a relationship with my children. I don't know how, God. Give me that love. Because he's the author of it. See, at that moment was surrender. I don't know how. We were having marital problems. And I had to go to God and say, I do not know how. I don't know how, God. I was on my kitchen floor, weeping. I don't know how. And I don't know that I ever said anything different to my wife. But she says to me, wow, you've really changed. What happened? Surrender happened. You want to be a kingdom person? You want to experience the things that are not seen? to become more reality to you than the things that are seen. Say, I don't know how, and surrender yourself to God fully. Let's all stand. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.